Welcome to Langstaff Online. My name is Michael De Silva, and I am your host for episode 21. In this episode, we will be hearing from Brian Joyce on the person of the Holy Spirit, who is a real person and not simply a force or power like we might imagine. The Holy Spirit was sent to us by Jesus himself after his ascension. The role of the Holy Spirit is vital and integral to our lives as believers today. I trust this episode will be a help to all of our listeners. The title of today's message is Understanding the Beauty of the Holy Spirit. Welcome back and thank you for joining today's podcast episode. It is a continuation of the Lord's words to His disciples in the upper room and we will focus mainly on John 15 and 16. I am excited to talk to you about the wonderful person of the Holy Spirit and His work. Jesus had a lot to teach His disciples and us about Him, and hopefully what I have to say will cause you to appreciate, value, and study Him more. The person of the Holy Spirit has been for a large portion of my life a mysterious figure who I heard very little about. The book of Acts reveals the Spirit's coming and His amazing activity in early church history, and the letters written to various people in churches teach us His ongoing work. But the book of John lays a foundation that will help us understand some of the great beauties of His divine person. What is the Holy Spirit doing, and more specifically, what is He doing in your life? In John 7, 37-39, we learn that the Spirit of God generates divine life within you. It goes like this. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believe in him were to receive. For as of yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. These words reflect what Jesus said to Nicodemus about being born from above or being born of the Spirit. To be born again means to have the Spirit of God resident within. And to have the Spirit within is to have rivers of water, living water, flowing out. It is good that we stop and contemplate the reality of having a divine person within us. Like any person, he can be grieved and hurt, or he can be pleased and delighted. It is the Spirit's desire to have a steady, refreshing flow of divine fullness come from our lives. You see, it is the Spirit who brings life, and He is the one who is able to maintain life within you. This was Paul's big concern as he wrote to the Galatian believers. Remember those questions he asked at the start of chapter 3? O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? 
It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Have you begun by the Spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you works miracles among you do so by the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. What was the big issue? They had received Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit, but now they were trying to live their lives by the works of the flesh instead of the Spirit. I believe there is a tendency within each one of us to live our Christian lives in our own strength and revert back to law-keeping as a means of growth. But this is a total impossibility. We need full reliance upon the divine Holy Spirit of God in order to develop into people who are more like Jesus. The Holy Spirit generates divine life within you. Secondly, in John 15, 26 and 27, we learn that the Holy Spirit bears witness and glorifies Jesus in your life. Jesus said, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I find the word used to describe the Holy Spirit very precious. As for these disciples, their hearts were filled with confusion, chapter 13, trouble, chapter 14, fear, chapter 15, sorrow, chapter 16. So the announcement in verse 26, which was reiterated a number of times in this quiet, intimate talk, was of great significance both to them and to us. He had to leave in order that the Holy Spirit would come to them. It was to their advantage that this would take place. There's two realities that emerge from this statement. Number one, our perspective is not the best vantage point. God's is. What appeared to be all wrong in their eyes was the best in the end. And secondly, God's ways are always for our advantage. If we are willing to submit to His ways, we'll always find that they are for our blessing and profit, without exception. Without their Lord, they were were like orphans, like followers without a leader. The Lord said, I will send the Comforter. This is a beautiful word. The paraclete, the one who is called alongside to help. The Amplified gives six other names that could equally be translated comforter. Counselor was one, one who can give advice and manage causes. Helper, one who furnishes with relief or support. Intercessor, one who reconciles and brings parties together. 
advocate, one who pleads the cause of another, strengthener, one who causes another to grow and become stronger, standby, one who can be relied upon in emergencies. Notice the comforter will come to you. This is so personal, not just coming to the world, not coming to great kings or dignitaries, but coming to you to each individual disciple and each individual believer from then till now. He is in you. Not only in you, but will bear witness of Jesus. This, was the, this is the, the primary purpose of the believer, to bear testimony of Jesus. And we do this in partnership with the Holy Spirit. What you are who you are, what you say, the things you do, how you react, the things you enjoy are all ways in which you will bear testimony about Jesus. In chapter 16, verse 14, Jesus said uh, that the Spirit would glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The work of the Holy Spirit is to exalt the person of Christ. All truth is centered in Christ, and all truth will honor Him. Colossians 2 verse 3, In Him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When you hear of groups overemphasizing the Holy Spirit and worshiping Him at the expense of Christ, you know something is wrong. Maybe we are guilty of underemphasizing the importance of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. He will reveal Christ in the scriptures. He will magnify Christ in our lives. He will ensure that Christ gets the glory. How little we knew in our unregenerate state. We knew nothing of Christ's beauty. How little we know even now. But how wonderful that the Spirit opens our hearts and minds to the lovely person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so he bears witness and glorifies Christ in your life. Thirdly, in John 16, verses 8 to 11, he convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment through your life. It says, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin, because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged." The connection between verses 7 and 8 is very insightful. Jesus says, I will send him to you, verse 7. Then in verse 8, when he is come, he will reprove the world. How? I learn from this that he convicts the world through the believer, through the godly lives of the believer, through their attitude and behavior, 
through the glory of Christ shining in our lives, through his love radiating from hearts under the full control of the Holy Spirit. What an awesome and scary responsibility we have. And so these verses tell us three ways in which he will convict the world of sin. Number one, this is what we have been delivered from. We don't get our pleasure and satisfaction from it anymore. We show by our lives that we are forgiven of our sin, that we've been set free from sin. Sin has been crucified in our lives. We do not do what we once did or say what we once said. And this convicts the world. We now believe on Him and He is our all in all. Secondly, of righteousness. This is what God has made us. We are righteous in Christ. And as a result, we do right things. We treat people differently. We react differently. In fact, the Lord said back in chapter 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. And by this shall all know that you are my disciples. He has gone to the Father. He's absent and we represent him. And thirdly, of judgment. This is our claim, our victory in Christ. But how can we claim victory so soon? Because the ruler of this world, Satan, has already been judged. He has been sentenced and condemned at the cross. What a wonderful reality to know that we are victors in Christ. We live with true hope. What a testimony we are to the world. This is what Jesus meant when he said that we are the salt and the light of the world. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come through your life. The fourth thing I would like to notice is chapter 16, verse 13, where we learn that the Spirit of God guides you into the truth of God. Listen to Jesus in verse 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. It is commonly accepted that this passage, along with chapter 14, verse 26, refers to the special divine revelation of the inspired writings of the apostles. They were led by the Holy Spirit to write down the truth of God concerning His Son, Jesus Christ. We can be sure that all Scripture is Christ-honoring and Christ-exalting. Having said that, I feel there is a further application of this text that is true for every believer. The Spirit of God is a divine teacher when it comes to spiritual truth. My mind goes to 1 Corinthians 2, where Paul reminds us that it is not about human intelligence or wisdom that God's truth is made known, but it, it is to the child of God through the Holy Spirit. He says, But as it is written, What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. 
these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. It is not the natural man, the human earthly side of us that understands the truth of God, but rather the Spirit, the Holy Spirit within us. This requires careful, diligent, sensitive cooperation with the Spirit, an open heart and an open ear to listen, uh, to be aware of what He is trying to tell us at any particular moment in our lives. He will guide us if we are willing to be guided. The last two activities of the Spirit I am going to mention briefly, but not elaborate on because I will deal with them more comprehensively in future podcasts. In chapter 16, verses 16 to 24, we learn the Holy Spirit produces true joy in your suffering. Just let me read a few select verses from this passage. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been brought into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. This passage speaks specifically about the anguish of the cross and the disciples' sorrow associated with losing their Lord and the future joy from his resurrection. Jesus uses the analogy of how difficult childbirth can be for the mother and the resulting joy when a new life is brought into the world. One aspect of the fruit of the Spirit is joy. It comes from our close link with Christ and appreciation that we are raised with Him. The sixth thing I would like you to notice is found in the last verse. Chapter 16, verse 33, he brings, the Holy Spirit brings peace in tribulation. Notice what it says. Jesus said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. While Jesus is absent, we are still in a world that is ravished by sin and controlled by Satan. There is no doubt in the words of Jesus that his disciples and future believers, including you and I, would have difficulty and trouble. He said, you will have tribulation. There's no question about it. But in the tribulation, we will have true peace. This also is a fruit of the Spirit as mentioned in Galatians 5. It is not normal nor natural to have peace when circumstances are difficult. 
knowing that we have a divine comforter, a divine helper who draws alongside us in our troubles, enables us to enjoy true peace. God knows what he is doing. And Jesus said, I have overcome the world. These are words that bring a tremendous amount of peace. In conclusion, it it is my desire that each believer listening to this podcast will sense the presence of God in a very real way. We are living through stressful times with the COVID-19 pandemic. God, the Holy Spirit, is always with you. Enjoy His fullness. It was the Apostle John who said, Greater is He who is in you than He who is in the world. May God bless you all.